Welcome to the Why God Why podcast, brought to you by Browncroft Community Church. My name is Dylan Carnival, and I'm the Browncroft staff and producer of the show. I'm joined today by our host, Peter Englert, the director of adult ministries here at Browncroft, and John Amayo, the New York State crew director. Why God Why is a podcast where we ask 21st century questions about God that you never thought you could. And today, we have Jason DeGraff. He's the community pastor over at Northridge Church, and we're talking about Why God Why? Do I need community during the coronavirus? So we are in the midst of our second special episode. We had Rob Catalani. Um, it's funny. Uh, you better be careful if you give me a call on a on a, a day during the coronavirus. Jason called me yesterday. He's a like my counterpart at Northridge, and we just thought, you know, there's a lot of anxiety, a lot of worry. And Rob kind of talked about big picture, individualist. You know, kind of how can I respond? I think the main part of this podcast is. You know, we hope that all of you are connecting in community, and we want to give you some practical ways to do so. Yeah, so important. This episode brought to you by uh, Lysol antibacterial wipes, by the way. (laughs) If you aren't using Lysol bacterial wipes, then you're not uh, embracing the way of the Why God Why podcast. Anyway, uh, we just happen to have two of them sitting here, two bottles sitting here. As We're going to go with the blue ones today. I feel they say they're three three times stronger. I don't know if that's stronger than what. But anyway, uh, so yeah, community is super important in what we're doing. And that's one of the things that's actually kind of just tougher now or or different now than what we've experienced even a week ago. So I think that's why it's super important for us to discuss this and to bring in somebody like yourself, Peter, who focuses all their time thinking about this. So Jason, welcome to the Why God Why podcast. So great to have you here with us. Thanks for joining hey, us. Glad to be here from my daughter's bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> we are practicing social distancing because uh, he, he's on the other side of Rochester, so we're all good. That's so, right. hey man, let me let me start with this. Um, how do you think isolation affects people in the midst of this coronavirus? You know, it, you think about community all the time. You know, what are your worries about someone that isolates themselves from community? Yeah, I guess maybe I'd even want to back up before I jump into that, just to talk about our overall need for community in general. Um, I think you know, we are created in the image of God, you know, that's our understanding as Christ followers and God himself is a communal God who's lived in an eternal relationship, uh, with himself, father, son, and Holy spirit. And I think you see this, uh, the power of their relationship most poignantly in the moment on the cross where, you know, Jesus faced incredible suffering, physical pain uh, on the cross, and yet that that didn't compare to the emotional pain he felt as he took our sin on himself. And at that moment, you know, we see in, in Matthew 27, Jesus cries out, he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And so here's this eternal relationship that is being separated, where, where Jesus is being rejected by his father, he's being isolated from his father, and we see that immense pain. And so we, we know that we were created in God's image. He's, he's a relational being. In fact, when he created the world uh, in Genesis 2, we read that he said, it's not good for man to be alone. And so uh, we know we need to be in relationship. That's how God has designed us. And I think when you talk about isolation, 
one of the most significant ways that we punish people uh, in our society is within our prison system. Uh, when somebody is misbehaving, what do we do? We put them in social social isolation or we put them in solitary confinement. And uh, there's been a, a big movement even in those who are looking for prison reform right now to change even what we're doing with solitary confinement because the effects of it are so extreme, uh, even for the people who we might deem, okay, they deserve uh, you know, some harsher punishment. We realize this is very harsh punishment and we need to be careful with what we do with it. So in general, um, isolation um, is, is not good. We're designed uh, in God's image to be in relationship with each other. So that's kind of a, a foreground to that. Um, I don't know if you have any additional thoughts to add to that. And I, and I have some additional thoughts, too, about the effects of isolation that I, I can jump into in a second here. No, no, just jump right in, man. You're, you're, you're on a roll. I love it. Yeah, well, you know, when it comes to just isolation in general, you know, let alone being in a, in a time of crisis, uh, we see that there's incredible negative effects. As we uh, look at what social scientists have studied when it comes to isolation, um, there's not a whole lot of, of benefits and there's an awful lot of negative effects. One of those would be difficulty, difficulty sleeping. Uh, so when you are isolated, people tend to change their sleep patterns. Often uh, in times of isolation, people will end up staying up later. They'll be awake during the night and they will be sleeping during the day. And I don't think it does us any favors to not have the sunlight uh, during our waking hours. So that's, that's one negative effect. Uh, what, uh, social scientists have studied have shared that there's where there's an increased risk for physical ailments and for sickness. Uh, so people who are isolated have a higher risk for cancer, for heart disease, for obesity, uh, even premature aging. So if you've been alone too long, you might be looking a little older, a little balder. Uh, some of us more than others. Um, By the way, wow. I just want to yeah. throw out there that John and Jason are blessed with the gift of baldness. The, so. the gift of baldness for me particularly. Yeah. And you're I, less denial than me. I, I still have not uh, gone for the full shave yet. Yeah, yeah. So the full shave, it's a beautiful experience. I'll talk to you about that at some point. But, uh, <laughs> I believe I have a rich and, and uh, robust uh, social lifestyle, but I've still gone bald. Anyway, so. Well, you know, the, those are all huge, man. Let me, let me ask mm -hmm. you this. As you see yourself as someone that's in charge of creating community, what do you think is the big challenge of the coronavirus right now based on because what you're saying is man there's a ton of needs like if you don't sleep if you don't eat if you're not in healthy community you know yeah take us there yeah well i think we're all beginning to experience this now you know even uh at north Church, we have been practicing uh social isolation by primarily working from home right now and it does make a difference to and not go in the office and, and not see people. And I find myself to be a very relational person myself. I love to connect with people, although I'm a contemplative person and like my quiet time and like to be alone. Uh, it is difficult to be separated from people. So I think right now we just, we like to connect with people, but we can't have that physical contact or physical presence. Even for me, I tend to be a person who loves physical touch. Um, and so that's even, you know, not o not only can I not be in the same room with you know people as much, uh, I don't get that opportunity for an embrace or for a hug or for a fist bump or for just a tap on the back or the shoulder. 
So, you know, I think we're designed, you know, some of us may be more than others like to have uh, physical affection shown, but that is something that we are missing. And I think especially right now, if you don't have a, um, a family that you're living with, if you don't have a spouse or you don't have kids at home, um, or if you live on your own and you feel that these effects even more, you don't have that person to connect with when you get to your house. Uh, you don't have that, that husband or wife to give a, a hug or a kiss or your kids. So I think you feel the effects of that even more. Man, I'm so glad you brought that up. You know, why don't you share with me a little bit, you know, what would you, how would you encourage someone that's living alone, you know, and, and here's the deal, like living alone is no respecter of age. There's 20 somethings, 30 somethings, retired people. You know, we have a ton of people that are listening to this podcast right now that feel like they're alone. You know, if you were to talk to them directly, what would you say to them? Yeah, I mean, that's a hard spot. I, you know, even my own story, I got married when I was 31. Um, I think the typical uh, average age of marriage in our society today is 29 for a male and 27 for a female. Um, so I wasn't too far off of um, what are where most people in our culture are, although in the, the Christian world, you know, it's a little bit later than, than many people. So in many ways, as a single person, I struggled with the tension of um, not being able to come home to a spouse and have that person to connect with. Um, so in some ways, I have experienced moments of isolation in, in the past and loneliness, being alone, and, and that has been difficult. And so often for me, is, is the way to uh, address that was to go to a coffee shop and be around people, even if I wasn't interacting with people or you know connecting with people through my church community or sports leagues. But you know those things are. Uh, less opportune at this at this time. So I think definitely we need to be seeking ways to engage. I, you know, even though the current CDC uh, guidelines are, you know, no gatherings of larger than 50 and suggesting um, for even less, you know, groups that are under 10, uh, I don't think that we are forbid um, or should refrain from complete isolation. Um, I think uh, if you are feeling well and not feeling sick and you have other friends uh, or family who are not um, sick as well, then I think that's uh, important to still try to maintain those relationships and connect. I know my wife and uh, my wife's family, they live in town, so we've been able to connect with them over the last few days. And even on Sunday, we grabbed a lunch with the family from church and, and did life with them. So I think maintaining those relationships whenever possible is important. Yeah, as as you're talking, Jason, I kind of have this image in my mind of the backyard. I love nature and kind of how it translates into our personal lives as well. So in my backyard, I'll take you back there in my mind here. Uh, I got an apple tree, right? That's that's been back there for since we bought our house in 2007, but. Uh, that apple tree never produced any fruit on it. And I was like, is this thing, uh, do I need to cut this down? What do I need to do? And so year after year, I, I tinkered with that thing for for a while. And then I did some research and it was like, oh, maybe I need to plant another apple tree in the backyard. And so I did. And like two years after I planted another apple tree in the backyard, all of a sudden that tree produced a ton of fruit on it, wow. like just a ton of fruit because there was another apple tree that it was deriving, you know, cross-pollination, mm -hmm. all of that stuff. And it just needed another tree next mm -hmm. to it. And um, 
I, I think in a way we kind of miss out on that in our lives. Like if when we're isolated and all by ourselves, it's like our ability to produce fruit on our own is very little um, compared to when we have other people around mm-hmm. us. So in, in the midst of this crisis, like what are some of the practical ways that you can think of, even if we are socially distancing from each other in the ways that that are, you know, they're recommending right now, what are some of the ways that we could practically still plant ourselves next to other people in a productive way? Well, yeah, I, you know, so my primary job in Northridge Church is pastor of community groups. So I guess my first, uh, you know, push, and I think, you know, both Brian Croft offers community groups too. We both uh, have an essential part of our um, caring for each other and doing life at, as part of our church is being in community with other people. So I would encourage people to join a community group. Uh, we've got about 90 of them at Northridge Church, um, and you know, we're looking at starting even additional ones right now. And I know there's plenty of them at Browncroft too. So I would encourage people to, if you're not already part of the community group, um, to join in uh, to one of those group environments. I know at Northridge, we are not uh, prohibiting people from meeting in person, but we are strongly encouraging people to meet online. So we even put we put tools together for people to meet on Google Hangouts or Zoom or Facebook Messenger or a variety of other platforms. And so even though uh, we might not be able to meet in person, uh, we still have an opportunity to, to meet with other people who are pursuing God, uh, explore faith together, encourage each other, share prayer requests together. So I think that would be my first step that I would encourage to, to find one of those groups. And if you go to NorthridgeRochester.com or you go to Brown Cross website, I'm sure you can look for groups that way. So that'd be one step. Yeah. And, um, <clears throat> you know, what are, what are some other things that you're seeing Northridgers do kind of connecting in community? I've been seeing and watching a lot of that. Um, you know, what are you impressed by so far? Yeah, I mean, I think, well, probably most of us, if, if you have social media accounts, um, are probably on those, even if we are home more and we're isolated more than we're more likely to try to see what's happening in other people's lives. So I, I, I would kind of say this, connect on social media, but don't live on social media. So it's, it's good to maintain those connections, see what's happening in other people's lives, share prayer requests with them. Um, just see what life is like. Uh, but if all we do is connect in this social, you know, this internet, um, zone, then I think that's going to be a less than helpful, um, platform, you know, that can also breed. And there's a lot of bad news and other things on there that are less helpful and, and can be discouraging for us. So I, I would encourage us to go beyond that. Um, you know, pick up your phone, you know, we can text. Uh, even more than that, you can you can phone people, or I'd say even you know get on FaceTime or whatever you know video platform you have on your your phone, so you can actually have a conversation with a person. So I think that that's one way. Um, I know there some things that I've been really encouraging uh, encouraged to see is different groups, and um, even our outreach director Josh Horn kind of spearheading a lot of ways we can serve our community. Um, so there's an organization in Rochester called Care Portal, where churches and individuals can connect with people in our city who are vulnerable and uh, be able to meet needs. So a lot of those would be people who are in foster care system. Maybe they have an unstable home environment, 
And so there's a kid that gets moved in with their grandparents or with somebody else. And so they need car seats, they need a bed, they need clothes. And so a practical way we can serve um, our community that's in need during this time is to still meet some of those needs. And so that could be you or your friends pooling money and together, going to the store, buying stuff. We have a drop-off site at Northbridge Church, so you won't go in a building. You'll just drop it off and somebody will grab the stuff, but you can drop stuff off and you can serve alongside of people to help meet needs in our community. And I think when we get isolated, we can begin to think even more about ourselves, you know, protecting ourselves. And it gets, it's helpful to begin to think about serving other people instead of ourselves. I think that brings even encouragement to us in our isolation. So that's, that's one thing that I'm really encouraged to see groups doing. Even uh, I've seen a number of groups or even families put together uh, cards for people in nursing homes. And so we're collecting a bunch of cards and putting those together um, from kids or for a group. So you can write a note and then those will be dispersed to different uh, nursing homes around our community. You know, I've been blown away today. Um, you know, we, we have a couple you know, a couple hundred senior citizens that attend Browncroft. And, you know, I just sent a need for 20 phone callers and it was filled with 20 people, you know, within an hour. That's awesome. Like, and I'm, I'm getting like four. So it's amazing to watch people. I, I think most of my experience has been people want to help in meaningful ways. And, you know, I, I think I was saying it the last podcast, most people that I talk to, they're not scared of getting the coronavirus. They're scared of passing the coronavirus. Mm -hmm. And that's what kind of makes all of this difficult. So, John, you know, you're you're kind of in the middle of it, just like Jason. You know, you work with college students. What's some of the advice that you're giving and you're hearing about staying connected? Because this is a huge topic. Yeah, I mean, I think we are one of the, you know, obviously with college students, it's their whole lives are being turned upside down right now, too. So their whole existence, what they were planning on for seniors right now, this is a very traumatic time for them to actually their the rest of their school year has just been canceled. And a lot of them won't even get the opportunity to walk in graduation. You know, like that's the the kind of ultimate point of your scholastic life is walking the, you know, down that stage at graduation. And a lot of them won't get a chance to do that. So there's a lot of grief in, associated with that. There's some depression, a lot of anxiety that people are experiencing. And uh, if, you, if you're going through anxiety or depression, uh, being alone during that time is very, very uh, difficult. It only makes it worse, really. And so um, they aren't able to connect in the normal means. But what we're finding right now, and this is so new that I, it's really difficult for me to speak on it with any authority, but as we encourage people to connect, even if it's just face-to-face -face over the computer screen, they're they're finding there's a lot of value in that. So even just connecting with each other over a screen, talking through what's going on in your life can actually be really, really helpful for people. Looking, there's another person that I can see, you know, even in this, you know, interview that we're doing right now with Jason. I can see Jason. He isn't right in the room with us, but I know he's there. He's a human being. And we we kind of have his computer in front of a seat right now, which is kind of cool. But uh, that's about... You know, and so I think for us, we just need to leverage some of those opportunities that we've been given. Yeah, and I also just want to point out because I think it's something 
I think we struggle with this from culture. We love to be invited, but we don't do the inviting. Mm -hmm. We love to get the text message, but we don't feel comfortable sending the text message. So my main concern is the people that actually like need community are the ones that are waiting on other people. And it's almost like, instead of waiting on other people, why don't you do that? And on the other hand, even if you're in good community, you know, you're going to have extra time, go through your contacts. And, you know, if you see someone and all of a sudden you stop and you go, I should text them, like text them. And, you know, my, my main concern is, uh, you know, I saw this social media post. I don't know if you, both of you saw it. It said like, Hey, introverts, I hope you're enjoying yourselves, but please call an extrovert cause they're scared. Like it's <laughs> something like that. Um, you know, Jason, I'm not sure if you're an ambivert, but, um, you know, John and I, we're like super extroverts. So, and we won't even touch. I mean, if you want to touch the Enneagram, like, so the Enneagram two, their classic deal, like me, like I'll call someone and I'll be like, Hey, Hey John, how you doing? And really I'm like, John asked me how I'm doing. <laughs> anyway, but that's, that's all. Do you know your Enneagram number? Or? I have the book uh, on my Audible account, uh, or one of the Enneagram books, and I have not read it yet. So, but I know I've had the, what everybody saw. I I hate uh, those profile things. I hate to be pigeonholed into something, but from what everybody says, it's pretty good. So, uh, I will be exploring well, that more. <laughs> Well, the good news is, is as people are listening to this crisis, they'll relate because we talk about the Enneagram a lot. So, it's yeah. all it's it's good to have a little you know person from the other side on that yeah, so exactly um you know let me ask you this uh just you wrote a great landing page and i just want to get super practical right now you know you've been reaching out to small groups leaders i've been reaching out to small group leaders you know what are you telling them to do for meetings i just want to take a little bit of a moment because we're doing this interview because i think we're saying the same thing what are you telling them to do and how to meet and encouraging them and we, Again, we're just going to kind of, a, we can't tell you, like, if you meet in small groups outside the church, we can't tell you not to meet, but we will say that most We profession- will report you to the police. We I, I, no, I won't no, do I that, but, but basically joking. every doctor I've sa- heard say this, but, you know, what have you been telling them to use and do? I just think it'd be helpful for our podcast listeners from Northridge, Browncroft, and then all over. I think it'd be great for you to share what you've shared with me. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, we we began looking even before all this broke out to how can we provide community for people who don't fit into our traditional group system, and so this is something I've been developing for a while. I'm kind of had just completed a lot of my thoughts about this right before you know weeks a couple of weeks ago. So, um, we you know we're so we're still kind of exploring it. You know, we I put resources together without us having a ton of personal experience doing it. Uh, but there's, you know, there's a few different platforms you can use out there. Um, you know, I, my, my favorite is probably Google Hangouts, which is what we're, we're meeting on right now. You do have to have a, you know, a Gmail account to, to use it, but it's not too hard to sign up for if you don't have one. Uh, there's Zoom, there's Skype. I haven't explored Skype too much. Um, I know that's what I used, you know, back in the day, that was kind of like the, the earliest version of this. Um, and uh, even Facebook Messenger has um, one where you can connect with all your Facebook friends. Or people don't even need a Facebook account to use that. You can actually go into Messenger and sign up for an account with your phone number, but not have a Facebook account, and you can connect that way. 
a cool thing with Facebook Messenger is you can put all those filters over your face too. So if you want to have a little fun while you're connecting together, but those are, those are a few different platforms um, that you can use. Um, some of them even have a call in option. So if you don't have um, maybe a computer or a smartphone, you can, you can call in. I think Google Hangouts Zoom has that. Um, there's even, I think it's freeconferencecall.com. You can sign up there and you can just get a phone number and then there's like a 10 number access code. And so you could get a group of friends to all call in and do like a group call together. And so those are just a few platforms you can use to connect. Um, so we, you know, we're, we're encouraging groups to use that, uh, in many ways for our group environment at Northridge, we are encouraging groups to meet, you know, kind of as their normal thing. So there would just be some general, Hey, let's catch up, get to know each other. And then we have some discussion about our content or our talks from Sunday, some questions about that and how that impacts our life. And, diving into it deeper and then we just get real practical again like how how should this impact your life today and then have people share some prayer requests at the end and have one person pray for them and generally we found that um you know if you're if you were to have a church group you know small group community group environment those often tend to be an hour and a half maybe even two hours but an online meeting you can do in 45 to 60 minutes easier there's just a little less um I guess, mush time when you're not in a, a room with somebody. It's a little bit more like, all right, let's get to brass tacks. Let's talk. Let's connect. Let me um, just uh, kind of last super practical question, because I'm sure a lot of our listeners, even if they're not in small groups, are probably going to want to just connect with people, FaceTime, you know, uh, Facebook Messenger and stuff like that. You know, what's some advice if you're leading a discussion and what's some advice if you're kind of on the other side of a discussion, um, knowing that internet can be hit or miss, you know, I just think you've had some great ideas about that. That'd be very helpful to people, especially in social distancing. Yeah. I mean, I think if it's FaceTime, you know, if it's a one-on-one, then it's a little bit more standard and you just kind of connect. And if you have a bad connection, you hang up, you call back again. But if you have a larger group setting, then there are some complications uh, that people don't always think through. So just, some tips about meeting online is, you know, you want to make sure your head is in the middle of the camera. You know, we're not seeing your <laughs> um, ear or your legs or your butt or whatever, whatever, you know, we're, you're, you're seeing your face, which is what you want to see. You want to have good lighting. Um, a big thing has to do with sound, you know, so we have all kinds of different noises uh, in our homes from dogs or we've got kids, we've got washing machines, we've got, um, you know, your heating system, your air, you know, your turning on and off. Um, and so those are challenges that give you more feedback. Um, and so then it, it gets hard to have a group conversation because you have all these noises coming in from everywhere. And so a good protocol with doing an online group or having a multiple people in a group discussion is to mute yourself. Um, when you are not talking. And so most platforms have a mute, mute button you can find. And so by doing that, then that eliminates all that extra feedback noise. One other thing I just, I would say too, is if maybe you and your spouse or another person in your household is online in that same meeting, choose one device. Cause if you have uh, two devices in the same household, you get that ringing, really annoying pitch that, you know, makes it impossible to talk or connect. So just choose one, one device. And so I, I think those are a few tips for just, 
if you're the moderator too, you really have to control that because some people won't realize that they're not muted. So most platforms as a moderator, you can mute them, you know, and I think just letting them know ahead of time, Hey, I might mute you. Don't be offended, but we're just trying to make sure we've got the best um, discussion environment. And if there's feedback because your uh, device is making a lot of noise and we're going to mute you. And then if you're ready to talk, you can unmute yourself. Well, let's um, we'll close with these last two questions, and I'm going to throw it both the, to you and John. But Jason, let me start with you. Uh, what's the major opportunity for connecting in relationships and community with the coronavirus as you see it? What's you know, I think you've been, I mean, you've been thinking about this a lot. So I'm just kind of curious, you know, what's the big opportunity for relationship building that you see right ahead of us in the midst of this crisis? Well, I think uh, probably the biggest one is just that we are, are feeling this need more than ever. So I think in some ways there's potential for people who have been more isolated and that's, you know, that's increasing to realize they need it more and be reaching out and to connect. So I'm, I'm just excited that uh, people who were not connected uh, might be taking more steps toward connection. Um, so, I mean, I guess that's one initial thing. It's just the, the need for it and people seeking it more. I know. What, what about you, John? Well, yeah. I mean, actually, you you stole mine, actually. So, <laughs> thanks. No. Uh, no, I think that's that's the reality is that now I think people realize you're kind of able to cope before in a bunch of other ways that you aren't able to cope now for real genuine relationships. And so when you're all by yourself in your house and there's nothing else to do, like it's either Netflix or uh, I got to find something to do. So um, I think people are feeling that. And that means just the fact that they're feeling that opens them up to maybe experiencing something that they haven't in a while. That kind of makes me yeah. think. Oh, go ahead, what, what you're saying there is that we, everybody, our, our society is a lonely, anxiety-filled um, uh, society where people have been isolated from each other, but I don't think we've recognized it. And many of us live our lives going to work, and we're too lazy to go out and connect with people. And so we just fill all of our time watching Netflix or Amazon Prime or Hulu Plus or Disney, you know, or just all the new platforms in their streaming services. And so we have lived these lives filling our minds with constant entertainment and media that leaves us feeling isolated. Um, and I think now that has increased. And I, I would say that during this time, a danger can be that as fears grip you or as you're concerned, you try to ignore reality by just entertaining yourself. And that just leaves us to increase depression. Um, and so I'm not going to say ignore, you know, those opportunities to relax, enjoy a good show, uh, but don't live there. Try as much as you can to continue to pursue relationship with people. Wow. That, that was a lot there, Jason. That was really, really good. Let, let's just, um, let's just close with this. That was just a great place. You know, what does Jesus have to say about connecting with community um, in the midst of coronavirus? So the good news, Jason, is John and I answer this question, and then whatever mess or heresy we come up with, you get to clean it up. Does that sound good? <laughs> Sounds great. 
<laughs> Did you notice that he was like, yeah. he was like, like, yeah, I'm expecting here. I'm, I'm expecting. I will. Yeah. I will. I'll notice. I, I've got a, an eye for all those characters. <laughs> oh man, Jason, we're a big fan. Anyways, go ahead, John. Uh, yeah. I mean, I I just think of Jesus' words toward the end of his life. You know, where he is looking at his disciples and trying to convey the the most the most important message that he can to his disciples. And as he's, as he's doing that, kind of his final parting words are that they would love each other like he has loved them. And um, I just think this presents us with an opportunity to love people in a sacrificial way like Jesus has loved us. And that might mean getting out of our comfort zones a little bit, might mean making that call, as as Rob said when we were interviewing him, writing that note. I mean, now modern note, notes in the modern world, oh my goodness, it's like you just received gold in the mail, you know? Um, so it, there's a lot of little sacrifices that really aren't that big, but are ways for us to demonstrate love to other people in the way that we've been loved by God. And I think that's what Jesus might be calling us to in this season. That's great, John. Um, you know, I was thinking a lot about John 1. Um, Jesus, when he calls one of his first disciples, there's this one guy named Nathaniel, And Nathaniel is a little skeptical. And Jesus says to him, I saw you by the tree. And I was just thinking about that. It's supernatural and you know, Nathaniel's amazed, but I, I think there's a larger principle of like, Jesus sees people, and if you're a follower of Jesus, whether you're a skeptic, seeker, wherever you are, like part of the call of following Jesus is to see people. And, you know, whether you're depressed or anxious, whether you're fine or excited, like this is a season to see people. So let's take the most of that and let's be like Jesus. Yeah, I mean, I don't. What you both said is, you know, is incredibly helpful. Um, you know, just a few thoughts I had. You know, one of these came to me just as you were speaking, John, about loving each other um, and thinking about the cross. I one of Jesus' last words. You know, he's there on the cross, and before him are his mom, Mary, and his closest disciple, his closest friend, John. And he's departing this world, and he knows that they're going to be without him. And so what does he say? He says, John, this is your mother, you know, um, and mother, this is your son. You know, he wanted them to care for each other in that way. And, you know, like John said, we need to extend love toward each other. And we are the body of Christ. I think Paul says in Galatians 6, to carry each other's burdens, and in this way you fulfill the law of Christ, which is the to love God and to love people. Um, I think one of the, the dangers in seeking community right now as we don't want to be isolated is that we put human relationships as the penultimate relationship. You know, this is where we will find satisfaction and healing. Yes, we are created in the image of God to be in relationship with each other, but our primary relationship is our relationship with God and so I think we need to start there. And I, I think of uh, the Psalm of Asaph, um, Psalm 73, where life is difficult. And Asaph says in Psalm 73, 25 and 26, he says, Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth, and earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, 
but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. And so we're designed for a community with God first and then community with others. And so I think we want to be pursuing that. Jason, that's awesome. Uh, thank you so much for joining us on the Why God Why podcast. We are so glad uh, to have you here. Um, remember, we are at whygodwhypodcast.com. And we did these two special episodes because we knew that this is probably a question that you're asking. So we'd encourage you to email this, share it on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And, um, you know, we're praying for you during the coronavirus and uh, we hope you're experiencing God. Thanks so much for joining us.